Hello, welcome back to the Life Runners podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend, a wonderful auction-filled weekend. Obviously, this weekend was the Philips Geneva Watch auction that took place um, on both Saturday and Sunday, and then I'm recording this on Monday. Today was Christie's Rare Watch auction. Um, it's really exciting when, when the auction season kind of starts up again. Um, it definitely, as a vintage watch enthusiast, it definitely gets me excited about about watches and it really gets the you know the whole watch world um kind of kind of rallies behind vintage watches for a couple of days <clears throat> there were some incredible highlights from from uh the uh, phillips geneva watch auction i'm gonna go over some of my my favorite lots some of the big results um what, what i thought was kind of you know kind of my high level thoughts obviously auctions have become extremely popular they've been a lot of different auctions that have taken place. I just finished watching the Christie's Watch auction, which I'll probably cover either later this week or next week, cover my favorite lots from that auction. But there's those, there's watch auctions, there's wine uh, auctions, cars, there's so many different um, auctions that are taking place right now. And interestingly enough, I think it really does show a really robust auction market. Um, I was expecting post-pandemic um, there would be some um, maybe the auction market would be a little bit lighter, um, but it appears that um, auction markets are as strong as ever and many of the references that we hold um, in high regard when it comes to vintage watches are still able to uh, fetch for extremely high prices. Um, I think the auction was, re was really well done, some really interesting watches, the quality of these watches were absolutely insane, and I think the people definitely agreed with that. I'll start off with probably the the, the biggest, uh, well, one of the biggest lots um, <clears throat> from from Philips, and that was the incredible Clausoni Dial Patek Philippe reference twenty five twenty three World Timer from nineteen fifty three. Um, this watch uh, was uh, absolutely insane. Um, I'm going to quickly just go back and look at the estimate for this watch before I go into the final price. Um, so the estimate on this watch was in excess of 3.5 million. In total, it sold for 7.048 million Swiss francs. Um, this was including buyer's premium and all that. So it didn't actually set a record for the 2523. However, it did set a record for a two-crowned two world-time watch with Closenet dial in yellow gold um, to ever sell at auction. Obviously, this is an extremely rare watch. Um, that was um, was absolutely insane. If you watch the auction, they actually were jumping by one million Swiss francs at at a time um, for for part of the auction, and so that's an insane, really, it's an insane feat to happen in at least in vintage watches. It's not something that happens very very often. The next lot I wanted to talk about was uh, lot number 88. This was the Cartier, uh, nicknamed Baseball, from the 1970s. This is sort of a round watch with a, a um, diamond-shaped dial from Cartier. These are extremely rare. rare. It's also known as the Pebble from the 1970s. Um, this was um, a watch that obviously had a lot of interest. You're, you probably will not see one of these hit the auction block anytime soon. It was estimated to go between 50,000 and 100,000 Swiss francs. It went for four times the top of its estimate for 403,200 Swiss francs. 
an insane amount. I mean, this watch here, you're not going to see. It's just it's just one of those where, it's, where it literally is just something that, that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for any collector to really go through. Um, and obviously, Cartier collectors um, are, you know, insanely... Um, in, insanely um, interested in this in that in that lot. The next one I wanted to talk about was lot number one hundred and sixty. This is a this is a watch that's dear to my heart. It's one of my favorite um, vintage Patek Philippe's uh, Patek Philippe references. This is a reference five seventy. But what's interesting about this? Obviously, it has a two tone dial with brilliant numbers. But what it also has is it has a a um, a railway minute track around the outside of the, the dial. There's only two examples of these that have hit the auction block, um, or this is one of two that's been, been auctioned off in recent years. Um, and obviously the 570 is arguably one of the, the um, most desired vintage references from Patek Philippe, especially with the uh, brick and numbers and two-tone dial. Um, the estimate for this watch was between 200 and 400,000 Swiss francs. This is a watch that we've seen on many talking watches and is extremely popular in vintage um, Patek Philippe collectors, but also just time only um, watch collectors. If you don't know this watch, um, it's got these really beautiful blue hands, a sub, uh, sub seconds dial at six o'clock, um, and this watch is in steel. Um, this watch, uh, I mean, there's only, there's only a couple ways you can really say it. it's smashed records um this watch sold for, this watch sold for three million two hundred and ninety seven thousand swiss francs um an absolutely insane price for for this watch um and interestingly enough i'm actually not a huge fan of it i don't really like that railway minutes minutes um minutes uh track around the outside of the dial i actually prefer a much cleaner dial also think the dial is a little bit too reflective to for me. I know that sounds weird, but it sort of has a shine to it that I'd prefer if it didn't have that. But this watch was in impeccable condition, and obviously collectors really rallied behind it. I think because the 570 basically never hits, you never see it in in the wild, and no one is really looking to to sell it. This was really a once in a lifetime opportunity for for collectors, and so um, that's that's why they they really jumped on it. One of the watches that I spoke about in, on this podcast and in our video where we covered the Philips Geneva watch auction was lot number 114. This was a Patek Philippe reference 130, retailed by Austria Torino, um, manufactured in 1940, 1941. Um, this watch is a vintage chronograph from Patek Philippe with an absolutely beautiful uh, yellow gold case with this really interesting kind of oxidation on the right side of the the, the watch and on onto the top right lug and for me this is a watch that I think represents uh, an interesting part of collecting where it's not in the, you know this is a this is a different type of patina that you're going to see uh, compared to patina on other types of watches it's a 33 millimeter watch so it's on the smaller side but I think the patina on the case and obviously the oxidation is what I thought would be a very interesting part of what this lot ends up selling for it's it was estimated to go between 25 and 35,000 Swiss francs. It sold for 52,920 Swiss francs. So it broke the estimate. Um, 
and I think again it it really showed some sort of um, some sort of part of vintage watch collecting where patina and the amount of patina varies but there are some people who really love that oxidation or patina on the case and the dial of these watches and that's what I thought was kind of special another watch from Cartier that I that I spoke about was lot number 21 this is the platinum limited edition jumping hours watch for Cartier's 150th anniversary which was made in 1997 this is lot number 21 um, this was a watch that I said would be very popular. It's one of 20 that were produced. It is sort of in the modernish era of vintage watch or of, of watch collecting and watch manufacturing. It was estimated to go between 50 and 25,000 Swiss francs. It sold for 69,300 Swiss francs. So smashed estimates. Again, I think this is just this is just what people want. They want some sort of dress watch that's interesting and and um, that really really was was part of it. Um, a watch that I thought had an interesting price um, was the Patek Philippe 5950R, which was um, lot number 70. This was the um, limited edition to 15 pieces, pink gold, split second chronograph um, with a pink dial. This was a watch that I thought was actually going to go for more than the estimate. Um, this watch was estimated to go between 200 and 400,000 Swiss francs. It sold for 390,600. Um, but this, I thought, had every every element that you could possibly think of that would make people desire it. Um, obviously, it's towards the upper end of the estimate, so um, you know Phillips was accurate there. But I really thought it was going to break it because it was a limited edition. It had beautiful Brigham numbers with a beautiful specific chronograph that um, is is an absolute work of art. Um, but it went for within within estimates, so that's you know. Sometimes you sometimes you you think that something's going to go for more than it than it really is, and that's you, you know I think auction markets really allow you to take the pulse of what the world is thinking about when it comes to these lots. The next thing I wanted to talk about was lot number seventy eight. This is a Rolex Daytona reference sixty two sixty two with a Paul Newman Musketeer dial. I brought this watch up in our last podcast or our podcast where we spoke about uh, kind of our predictions for the for the auction. Because I wanted to see if Daytona, if the Daytona collector's market was still as hot as it was pre-pandemic. Um, this watch was manufactured in 1970 and basically was everything that a, a Daytona collector would like. A stainless steel Paul Newman uh, dial watch um, in a fairly good condition. Um, so it had all the ingredients of, of what was needed to, to do well at this, at this auction. Um, so I was looking at this this lot because I was excited to see if the the market was still hot for for vintage Daytonas, and so this lot was estimated to go between a hundred and hundred and fifty thousand Swiss francs. It ended up breaking through that estimate and selling for close to three hundred thousand. It sold for two hundred and seventy seven thousand two hundred Swiss francs. And so, and along with with this watch, many other Daytona lots broke broke through their estimates, and I think it still showed. Vintage Daytonas are still extremely popular, and there's still people who are looking to get these um, get these really special references, really collectible watches. Um, and uh, you know, there's no there's no denying it that 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 they're still they're still hot. And post pandemic, people are still interested in these watches, obviously, and they still have the means to to get them. So, um, yeah, congratulations to that new owner. 
There was a whole host of reference 2499 Patek Philippe's, which is the perpetual calendar chronographs. They had different series of these watches. Force, they had obviously there's four series of the 2499. They had varying um, versions of these watches. I spoke about lot number 161, which was a um, 2499. I believe this is a third series with an Italian calendar. Um, manufactured in 1953. I think it was a third series. I might be incorrect there. Let me just, I want to make sure I'm accurate because, uh, excuse me, this is a first series. Um, obviously I looked at the date and I, I knew I was wrong. Uh, it was the first series, uh, reference 2499 with an Italian calendar. I thought the Italian calendar gave it a little bit more of a interesting collectible, um, appeal to it. The estimate was between 1 million and 2 million Swiss francs. This one sold for 1.966 million Swiss francs. So um, within estimates, but really close to that top top part of the estimate, this is just one of the 2499s that, that sold. Um, if we go through the, um, if we go through the, the actual, I can quickly try and pull up um, all of the 2499s. So lot number 100 was estimated to go between uh, 40 and 80,000 Swiss francs went for 852, so broke through the estimate. Um, 130, which was, uh, I believe, another earlier um, version of this watch, estimated to go between 300 and 600,000 Swiss francs, went for 428, so within estimates. Um, I just spoke about lot, lot number 161. And then um, a very important lot, which was lot number 208. Um, this was an incredible tachometer. Um, Tachometer dial uh, series three twenty four ninety nine estimated to go between one point five and three million. It went for two point four five million. Um, so another um, really great, um, you know, all of these lots really did well. They were either within estimates, broke through the estimates, um, and I think this was a, probably a focal point for for this for this auction. So um, definitely wanted to, to bring that up. The last one I wanted to talk about was obviously the one near and dear to my heart, which was lot number 226. This was the MBNF LM1, um, made for Hodinkee. This is a watch that I was looking at very closely because you don't really see a lot of these come up um, for sale, uh, just period. Uh, there's only 10 of them, 10 of this specific watch made for Hodinkee in 2015 available, and this was number 5 of 10. And so. You know, the LM1, I, I, what I said in, in our previous video was, I think it's going to go for more than the estimate. The estimate was twenty between twenty and 40,000 Swiss francs. I knew kind of by from tracking these watches that, that 40,000 for an LM1 is actually a fairly good price. So I knew it was going to go for more, but um, it went for 94,500, almost, um, well, more than double the, the, the upper estimate for this, this lot. This is a huge moment, I think, for for MBNF because this was, this really shows um, the collectability of their watches and um, how much uh, how much passion and enthusiasm collectors have for what what Max is doing over at MBNF. Um, obviously, this is a very limited run of watches; only ten of them made from for Hodinkee, so I'm sure there are probably fans of Hodinkee which kind of joined into this this specific. Uh, lot. Um, nevertheless, um, this is an incredible feat for, for any MBNF watch to, to go for all, do, uh, double the upper estimate of their of their lot. Um, I'm super, super stoked for them. It definitely sets the bar high for what an LM1 
um, can and should go for. Um, so if you're looking to buy an MBNF, maybe maybe jump in now, uh, sooner sooner rather than later for sure. I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this podcast that I just finished watching the Christie's watch auction before I started recording this. There were some really interesting results there. Um, and I'm going to go over those in our next podcast. It'll either be this week or next week. Um, so you can look back at our previous podcast from last week where we talk about our favorite lots from the Christie's watch auction. Um, there, are some, there are some true beauties and, and it was nice to see some of them, some of them get sold. Overall, I really enjoyed this weekend. I think Phillips put on a, a really great show. They had some incredible watches, as they always do, in really phenomenal condition. And it really, one, it really showed me that, or kind of showed the watch world that watch auctions are are still um, still really, really resilient to the economic change that has happened. Obviously, these are fairly expensive watches, so people who are bidding on these are most likely going to have fairly high amounts of disposable income and so you know perhaps they're not as hit by by economic recessions but they still do hit people um there's there's no there's no denying that um, what was incredible at this watch every single lot sold there was none that were passed on um and um you know i, I think it again just shows the resilience of the of the watch auction market Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to follow this podcast if you are not already. If you like this type of content, we create podcasts and about uh, watches and we cover a range of topics from auctions to new watch releases to kind of ways that things that you can learn about watches. So if you are interested in those types of podcasts, be sure to follow us. If you haven't seen our website or our YouTube channel where most of our content is driven from, you can check it out, lifeontherist.com. And every week we publish three articles and an accompanying video that we upload to YouTube. So be sure to check those out as well. If you are not following us on our social medias, be sure to search for Life on the Wrist. We are there, I promise you. <laughs> um, and um, if you guys wouldn't mind just rating this podcast, that would be really helpful for us. I'm looking forward to talking about Christie's in our next um, podcast. And with that said, guys, thank you so much for watching. And until next time.